What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Verse 8, Song of Songs 5, it says, it says, I adjure you, or I charge you. That's another translation. O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him that I am sick with love. She had just been through trials, and she's not responding back with the woe is me. She's responding back by saying, she, she got hurt by the church. The church hurt her. She's not blaming. She's not leaving. She's not deflecting. She's pressing in. I'm sick with love. Wow. What an example. She is led by her love for Jesus, and it cannot be squelched. She can't stand it anymore. She needs him. She didn't get bitter. She didn't complain. She is searching. She's even telling her friends, hey, if you see him, let, him, let me know. She loves him, and she was not offended by him. Listen, are you truly preoccupied with the beauty and majesty of Jesus because you're so in love with him? Is Jesus your vision? Is he your passion? Is he your first love? Now, here's the deal. What's one way of us knowing if that's true? Trials. Because if the trials take you out, it just exposes what you really believe. God knows what you believe. He knows everything. He doesn't give you a trial to see what you're going to do. That's not the God we serve. The God we serve is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows everything. The reason why he allows you to go through trials is so you can see you're not as good as you think you are. And neither am I. And that's why we need the church. When the wind and the rain, they come, and the storms, hey, get your eyes on Jesus. Thank him. Thank him for this trial. Thank him for what he's about to do. I want you to jot this down, Matthew eleven six. This is a really, really important verse. It says, and this is Jesus talking, he says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus is going to offend all of you. Because he's not going to do what you want him to do. Jesus, I've been faithful. I've served you. I've done this. And you should be doing this. And it's offensive when that doesn't happen like we thought. And when you talk like that, guess what's being exposed in you? There was mixture in your motives. All of a sudden, you're not like the Apostle Paul where... In Philippians 3, he's like, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a tribe of, of Benjamin. Um, I was blameless to the law, right? He had pride in all of that stuff. But then he says, I consider that stuff as rubbish, as dung compared to knowing Christ my Lord. When we begin to look at our degree, when we begin to look at our years of service, when we begin to look at what we've done, all of a sudden we've shifted off of Christ alone and there's a mixture that oftentimes is based out of pride. 
And that's a very dangerous thing. This is why Christians should pray, God, help me to fail more and more and more so that if success ever comes, I will know it's you. Convince me of my fail. Convince, like, like I'm a total failure, guys. I don't know if you know that. Welcome to church. My name is Pastor Chris. I'm a total failure. I ruined my life. And every time I get my eyes off Jesus, I ruin my life again. Ask my wife. So we see her. She moved off the offense. This whole romantic love thing. And all of a sudden I get beat down by the church. But she says I'm sick with love. Church hurt will continue to happen because of the world, the flesh, and the devil. But she is focused on his beauty instead of being preoccupied with her own issues, with her own pressures, with her own feelings. Can you get to the place, Christian, where you're so in love that that nothing begins to bother you? Do you believe you can get there? Some of us don't. Because as I'm saying that, we're thinking about things. If God did this, I don't know if I could recover. If God did this, I don't know I can recover. You've got to believe that you're going to be so in love with Jesus that no matter what comes your way, you're going to be good because he's got you. I'll never forget when I moved into the inner city years ago. I was at Kids Across America camp. You know. And, um, and I was walking with a guy who'd lived in the inner city of Arkansas, Little Rock, for 25, 30 years. And my biggest fear was, um, you know, that something would happen to my children. Specifically, my daughter. You know, my son, you know, boys need to get beat up once in a while, so it's good for them. I'm kidding. It's a joke, guys. Um, And so I said, how do you deal with that? What do you do? He's like, listen, Satan wants you thinking of the what ifs. But God wants you at a place where you say even if. Even if. Get out of the what ifs, that's not God, even if. And here's where we need to be as the church, and this is what he said, I'll never forget it, because we're walking on the path up hills. And he says, I've, I've quit worrying about what I'm going to do if something happens. My trust is that God's going to give me the grace to handle whatever happens when I need it to happen. She's gotten to this place. She's in love with him. 
So the trials just, she pressed right on by. And that is your inheritance. That is who you are in Christ. You are called to victory. You're called to victory. Not a victim, victory. You may be victimized, but you're called to victory. Victory over everything. Everything? Yeah, everything. Because we, we walk with the one who has already defeated everything. And greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Let's go to verse 9. It says, what is your beloved more than any other beloved? Almost oh, beautiful among women. So these are the immature believers. These are the ones that are kind of on the outside looking in. They lack an intimacy. They're kind of like church folks that just come but never really encounter Jesus in a deep way to where they say, spend my life. My life is yours completely. I'm all in. But what do they see in her? You see it says, almost beautiful among women. I want you to turn over to chapter 6, verse 1. Again, that phrase in there. What are they calling her now? Oh, most beautiful among women. So not only has Christ been speaking over her, you are the most beautiful, you are the most beautiful, you are the most beautiful, but also her companions, also the church members, also the others look at her and they say, oh, most beautiful among women, not once in chapter five, but again in chapter six, the companions are saying, wow, you are beautiful. Why? Because Christ is in you. We see your growth. And again, going back to chapter 1, verse 16, don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me, don't gaze upon me. Now they're saying to her, the church is saying to her, you are most beautiful. Listen, church, this is how we speak the truth in love to one another. Speaking the truth in love is not me um, grabbing someone, right, grabbing Parker and saying, hey, Parker, I got to speak the truth in love to you, brother. Uh, You get this and this and this and this. That's not the truth in love. When you just point out somebody's faults, who is the truth? Jesus. Speak the truth. Parker, you are in Christ. That is the truth. You did this, but that's not how you are. You are this. This is who you are. 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 That's not who you are because you're in Christ. He is the truth. And I'm speaking truth to you in a loving way. So you come into the truth because you're already in the truth if you're in Christ. And that truth brings freedom when you begin to walk in the truth, which is Christ. What you do doesn't define you. The cross and the blood of Jesus defines you. And you are righteous. You are holy. You are pure. You are blameless. Speak the truth in love. Come up into the truth. That's the best and most loving thing I can do for you. This is who you are now. And parents, let me tell you something. You've got to begin to declare that over your kids. Not death. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? How many times are you going to do that? You're just like your dad. He was no good. And many of us, that's hitting something. You know why? Because that's what you heard. Words have the power of life and death. She's like, I think our air condition's broke. Is it me? 
Are these lights like 500 degrees? Did we not have enough for LED that gave off no heat? It's taking off right What is your beloved more than any other beloved, most beautiful among women? What is your beloved more than any other beloved? That's you? Adjure us that you charge us. Why? What is so special to you about Jesus? I want you to keep your place here and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. She's been through this trial. Trials expose us. Trials purify us. Trials are really, really good things that happen to us because it's the testing of our faith that produces amazing things. You can get that list in James chapter 1 at another time. But she's been through this and she's still in love. She's still sick in love. I'm sick with love. I'm overwhelmed. I'm intoxicated with this guy, Jesus. And they look at that and they're like, well, what, what is this Jesus? Who is this guy? Why do you like him so much? Why have you quit your job to go work for nothing at Urban Youth Impact? That's a prophecy. I'm kidding. It could have been. No. 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, verse 14, it says, it says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, that's a promise for every Christian, by the way. You don't see this on the, on the fridges of people's houses. You will be blessed. Lord, bless me. Do you know what you're asking for? It might be verse 14. Have no fear of them. Don't even be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ. Man, that's good. The Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. And you want to highlight that, please. We need to walk in such a way so that when things happen in our life that aren't fair, that aren't right, that are unjust, that we don't get in our feeling prince of peace and become a peacemaker and respond in a loving way. And when people see that at work, when people see that at school, they're saying, what is different about you? And it gives you a reason to talk about our king, to talk about our king. Yet do it with gentleness. And respect, having a good conscience, verse 16, so that when you're slandered, do you know you're going to be slandered? That those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Verse 10, Song of Songs 5. When people say, why Jesus, why Jesus? Man, can you give them that answer? And here she answers. It says, my beloved is radiant. That means dazzling with splendor, sunny and bright. And he's ruddy, 
Ruddy? Yeah, ruddy. It means red. It could mean macho or manly. David was ruddy. Distinguished. Distinguished? That means chief. That means no one compares. Distinguished among 10,000? Yeah, there is nobody like Jesus. There is never has been, never will be. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, 15. This is why we're going to different places because some of us don't understand the preeminence in Christ. We don't have a proper vision for him, and when we see him as he truly is, that's revealed in his word, we begin to fall more and more in love with him and who he is so that we rise above the circumstances of this world. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image. Image, that means icon. That's an exact picture, right, of the invisible God. Jesus is God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. How do, how do we know he's God? Because in Genesis, God said, let us make man. Let us, let there be, let there be, let there be. Who was there? Jesus was there. He's God. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You are not holding your marriage together. Christ is. Give him glory. You're not holding your life together right now. Give him glory. You can't. Hold your business together. You can't hold anything together. He holds it all together. Oh, people with control issues, this may be your verse. You don't have to hold it all together because you can't do it anyway. Can I get a witness? Verse 18, he is the head, 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 head. He's the head of the, ch- of the body, the church. Jesus is the senior pastor. How many of us have business cards that are wrong? Jesus is the head of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. Now, it's a fancy word. It means this, greatest, chief, or distinguished. You could put Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 10. It's pointing to this passage. He is the greatest. He is preeminent. He is chief. He is distinguished. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. When Jesus walked this earth, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. It wasn't 50-50. Get your doctrine right. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Some of us think, when will we have peace? Listen, he's already made peace because of the blood. For those of us in Christ, we don't need a peace program because he is our peace. And when we walk in him, we will have peace. When we're not offended, when we're not offended and we press into love, we will have peace. 
when we humble ourselves and say, you must increase, and I, by default, can decrease, you will have peace. He's the Prince of Peace. This is who our God is. And she sees him for who he is, and she is just in love. Go back to Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 11. It says, his head, and you can put by that his leadership, his authority, his leadership or authority. Head, head, the word head speaks to authority, it speaks to leadership. When the first prophecy in the Bible was to actually Satan, speaking about this one, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head, is going to bruise your head. And at the cross, Christ crushed the head of Satan, meaning he took away his authority. Satan used to have authority, but all of a sudden, Christ crushed that on the cross and took back the authority. And so for the Christian, if you never come under the authority of the enemy, you're always under the authority of Christ and you don't have to worry about the enemy. Just obey. His head is is the finest gold. That means it's pure. That means there's no mixture. Without mixture. So what this means is that his leadership is without any mixture. It's pure. Look, I can't say that. You can't say that. But this is where, this is why, guys, when, when Jesus says, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow, we are looking at what we're going to lose. And, and listen, you got to get off that. Get off yourself. And you begin to see his perfect leadership, and it just makes so much sense. Wow, yeah, I don't want to lead anymore. You lead me, Jesus. And when we understand how great he is, yeah, we'll drop our nets. Yeah, we'll just let it go. Yeah, I don't want to lead anymore. Your leadership is perfect. It's perfect. How can I sign up for that? It's without mixture. I want you to turn to Numbers 13, please. Let me just challenge you, church. We've grown up with schools and organizations where, like high school students, they need to serve X amount of hours for volunteer work, right? Colleges, some, some colleges, you got to have X amount of hours for volunteer work in order to graduate. Do you know what the leadership of those institutions are doing? They're putting mixture in those kids. Why? Because it's a bribe. Leviticus says a bribe, a bribe corrupts the heart. So if you do this, we're bribing you to volunteer. Now, by the way, we still need people to move chairs, paint, do whatever. Like, we'll take your corrupt heart and we'll put you to work. But we got to think through that as leaders. 
You know, I was preparing this, I was thinking about a PBA student, Amanda Lynn, who started serving at Urban Youth Impact as a freshman. Mentored, discipled, girls' Bible study. I mean, she, she, she must have had hundreds, I don't know, thousands and thousands of hours. Like, like, she never had to come and say, I'm about to graduate, I need 50 hours before I graduate. Why? Because she's working and operating out of a pure heart. Be very, very careful. For some of you, seminary's not good for you. Why? Because there's a mixture in your heart because you're trying to prove you need a piece of paper to affirm you rather than you serve, die, and let's see what the body of Christ says. And that's why we've got to think through, man, am I causing... The, the continuation of a what's-in-it-for-me generation? Because I'm bribing, like you have to, you have to go serve so you can get this. And, and let, me just, let me just share the heart of our Urban Youth Impact. It's another job I have as, as pastor. I'm urban, you work at Urban Youth. Uh, I, I, sometimes I get students that come in, they do their hours that they need for graduation, and then they ghost our precious kids. Well, what happened to so-and-so? Re- they weren't really here for you. They were there for themselves because they needed a degree. And that's why they started a relationship with you, but after they did what they had to do, they were out. Sometimes I don't get invited to chapels. And I'm not, I'm not trying to dog, but we've got to really think through, man, am, am, I, am I causing a corruption of the heart? This is why parents, listen, never say to your child, if we go to this grocery store and you don't ask for anything and you behave and you're a well-behaved child, I'll buy you a candy at the end. You just corrupted your kid's heart. You're bribing them. You are looking for behavior modification. No, you obey because the Bible says honor mommy and daddy. And if we get at the end... I will decide whether or not you get X, Y, or Z. So we reward when we see behavior that we do not have to entice or bribe. Does that make sense? It's just the same reason why parents, this is way out of my notes, you don't count to three. Why? Because their little heathen pagan hearts are going to wait till two and a half every time because they're little rebels that need Jesus. And so the standard is obey right away, all the way, with a happy heart because authority tells you to. You don't count to three because you just gave your authority to a little child. We might need to do a parenting class. All right, numbers 13 and then we're done. So here's what's going on here. The children of Israel were promised by God that they would get this promised land. Twelve spies went into the land. Now, I want you to understand something. 
you have 12 tribes of Israel. These 12 guys were the best of the best. You know, if it would have been, if it would have been uh, Israel's got talent, these 12. Bishop, deacon, apostle, all rode into one, right? These were Moe's bros. Listen to the, 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 the report, though. Numbers 13, 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, verse 28, the people who dwell in the land, they're really strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites that dwell in the land of Negev, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites that dwell in the hill country, lions and tigers and bears, oh no. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Numbers 13, verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he says, let's go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Verse 31, then the men who had gone up to him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from Neph- whatever that is. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, so we seem to them. And all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. Verse 2, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Oh, church, please don't be a person giving the congregation a bad report. Look at that seed and how it begins to grow. They cried and wept all night. Verse 2, and all the people of Israel had grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to slavery. Mind-blowing but yet we can relate. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assemblies of the congregation and the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out, it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us that flows with milk and honey. So I want you to see what's going on here and how this relates. Guys, when you begin to have a proper vision of Jesus, It's not hard to follow. This report from the spies, there was not one mention of God in it, was it? 
There was no mention of God. What were they focused on? The people, the land, the problems, the circumstances, and their eyes were off God. But Joshua's eyes were on God, and he says, let's go, let's do it. God is for us. And many times, because Jesus, we like prayed this prayer, we go to church, we're a Christian, but yet we don't focus on the beauty and majesty of the one whose head is of finest gold, the one who has black uh, raven's locks of hair, who has set himself apart for us, the crucified and risen one. I want you to understand something. When Jesus was about to be crucified, he told the disciples they were going to leave him, and Jesus said, Behold, the hour is coming indeed. It's come when you will be scattered each to his own home and you're going to leave me alone. That was the circumstance. That was the reality. But where was Jesus' focus? He says, yet I'm not alone for the Father is with me, Emmanuel. And I'm saying these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I want you to turn to 1 John 5, 4. I lied to you. Really, this is where we're landing the plane. Everything that comes, every circumstance that comes, even if you fail, you're going to overcome because Christ is in you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. Everything that comes your way, no matter what happens, you're going to overcome it. Chris, how could you be so sure? How could you be so confident? Have you seen my life? Yeah, I've seen your life, but listen, I've also seen the life of Christ that's in you. And I'm speaking truth and love today because you need to begin to believe this truth. Right here, this needs to be somebody's verse all week long. Get off your problems. Get off your struggle. The struggle is real. No, it's not. It may be, but... Not with Jesus. He doesn't have struggles. You got struggles, but when you bring Christ into the struggle, the struggle ain't a struggle. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. You might want to highlight everyone and put above that me. 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 If you've been born again. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What? Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We will overcome it all, guys. Because Christ has overcome it all, and he is in us. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Apart from Christ, I have no hope, and I have no hope of anyone or anything being glorified, by God being glorified in me apart from Christ. And all of my hope is in Christ being in me. So worship team, come on up, please. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to do that. And God is calling you to do that. Maybe you've been through some things that have hurt, some real struggles, some real pain, and I'm not trying to belittle those. But listen, 
Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And Jesus Christ was killed. He was crucified. He did nothing wrong. But he died for our sins on that cross. And and not only that, but he was buried. And in three days he rose again. And he says, hey, if you believe in me, you will have life. In fact, 1 John 5, 12 says this, whoever has the Son has life, but whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And so Jesus wants you to be born again today. Jesus wants to give you life today. And I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've been through. But with Christ, you will overcome it all because He has overcome it all. And our faith is in Him. He is our beautiful one. He is the majestic one. He is the one that is our vision. He is the one that we praise. He is the one where we leave everything to go after. He is worthy of it all. His leadership is perfect. So I encourage you to give your life to him today. And for those of you who already have, just re-surrender and do it again say, Jesus, I want to see you high and lifted up in my life so that nothing, nothing, nothing matters except being in love with you. I want to be sick with love. So God, begin to stir that in us while we sing to you and kiss towards you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.